That PSA kind of reminds me of the Calstruction. Just terrible. Um, one guy who never has uh, terrible writing, but uh, always does a great job, is uh, is Josh Yoey. He's the beat writer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he joins me now over the phone on 91.9. Josh, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. Oh, any time. Good to be with you this evening. Definitely. So, you have you have a busy off season. No, no break for you this year, huh? Yeah, I mean, I want to like take the kids on a vacation at some point, and it's really hard to schedule things right now because uh, things are a little chaotic in Penguins land, and you know we're kind of waiting to see when some decisions are going to be made here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it has not been uh, what I would consider a relaxing off season. The Penguins uh, season ended on May thirteenth, and uh, it's been pretty wild ever since. Yeah, no slowing down at all. And uh, I know I've heard that you right now suspect that Pierre Maguire is the front runner for the GM position. Well, he's one of the front runners. I, I don't want to say that that's a done deal that he will be chosen, but uh, I believe there are three or four legitimate candidates here, and I don't think there's any question that Pierre Maguire is one of them. He, he has been at Pittsburgh twice in the last two weeks to speak with the Penguins about the job, and I know he's told some people close to him that he thinks he has a real chance to get it. Uh, whether or not he actually does, we will see, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's clearly in the mix here. Definitely, and do, do you think he would, do you think that's an easy transition going from TV to the general manager position? I just look at myself as a as a talk show host, and you know, I talk about you know, I do talk about sports, but I also talk about you know politics and things like that. But there's a huge difference between talking about it, and and I know he's has experience as a coach, but it, it's it's been some time. Do you think that might be an issue with him moving into the general manager type of position? I would certainly think it could be. I mean, Pierre does have some NHL experience. He was briefly the coach of the Hartford Whalers and an assistant coach and a scout uh, mm-hmm. many, many moons ago. But he's been strictly in television for about 15 years now, and that's a long time. And, you know, Some people have done it. John Davidson's the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was on TV for quite some time and then certainly had a lot of success. So it, it can be done, but, uh, you know, it didn't work so well for Eddie Olsen. The throw came out there, so... Um, I will say this. It would be a risk for the Penguins. If they hire Pierre Maguire as their general manager and things don't work out, mm-hmm. they're going to look awfully bad. I mean, they're going to be, you know, probably the laughing stock of the league if they hire Pierre, who's kind of a polarizing figure to begin with, and it doesn't work. Of course, if they hire him and it does work, it looks genius. Uh, Pierre is a really, really smart guy. You will not meet a better connected guy than him. He he probably knows everybody's youth hockey coach for mm-hmm. every player in Europe, Canada, <laughs> United States, doesn't matter. He, I mean, he, he does have an incredible amount of knowledge. He knows the game. He's a really smart guy. Uh, it's not that he's necessarily underqualified for this job, yes. but in terms, of, in terms of managing a hockey team, he really doesn't have any experience. That, that, that's the issue for me. Definitely. It's just my gut feeling, and you know, I have no knowledge, obviously, to to go off on this, but my gut feeling tells me that the further and further along we go and, and the closer to the draft we get that Jason Bottarelli has a better shot at getting that position. That's just my gut feeling. What, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, Jason Jason would be the safe pick. Uh-huh. You know, he, he's a really bright guy in his own right. He's been in the organization for years. He obviously has a, a very strong knowledge of of everyone in the Penguins organization right now. He was Ray Shiro's right-hand man for many years. Um, he is a you know considered a rising star mm-hmm. in the business. He's going to be a general manager somewhere in the NHL at some point. 
that that that's undeniable at this point. Uh, I think for the Penguins, it, you know, it's not even that they don't think he's ready necessarily. I think the thing with Jason is, you know, is he really going to be that much different than Ray? And if you thought Ray was a problem and his philosophies were a problem, you know, Jason was right on board with Ray. Now I'm sure he has a difference of opinions in some areas, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't know how that'll go over with the fan base if you hire the guy who worked closely with the guy who was just fired. For people who want to see a sweeping change in in the organization, I don't know that that will really get the job done. But that said, I I would certainly not be critical of the Penguins if they were to hire Jason Botterill. He's a very likable human being, and uh, he clearly knows what he's doing. Definitely. Who are some of the other names that you've been hearing out there as consideration for general manager? Well, those those are the two big ones. I can tell you that. I mean, the Pierre mm-hmm. McGuire talk is legitimate. Uh, they are interested in him, and of course, Jason Botterall Brisbois, the uh, assistant general manager in Tampa, is probably the guy that uh, you know, his name has popped up the most of anyone else. Um, if you look at excuse me, Tampa Bay. And if you look at the young talent they have acquired in that organization in the last five years, and I'm not just talking about Steven Stamkos. I mean, if if you look through their minor league system, uh, that team is absolutely loaded with young talent, and I think it's gotten the attention of a lot of people around the league that you know he's had a, a lot to do with that. And that's kind of becoming a model franchise, I think, in a lot of ways. They're going to be good for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and I think the Penguins feel like they need to do a better job of drafting. That was one thing that uh, Ray Shiro's regime, frankly, didn't do particularly well. They were okay with their first-round picks, but rounds two on, uh, not a whole lot of uh, NHL help has ever come up from, from the system. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think they want to find somebody who, who knows young talent and knows who to draft. And so Brisbane makes sense. And you, know, you keep going back to Pierre Maguire and – even though he's never done it, you know nobody knows junior hockey like that guy. Nobody knows college hockey like that guy. So yeah. if they're preoccupied at all with the draft, uh, in some sense, he does make sense. Definitely. And do you think a condition for the new general manager, uh, looking at the the draft situation as well, uh, we do have some good talent down in Wilkesbury, especially on defense. And I was looking at one of the the things you had posted on the Trib website. And it seems like most of the team is at least, or not most of the team, but half the team at least is in their mid thirties. Do you think that that might be a condition to to bring some of those younger guys up? Do you think maybe a condition of a new general manager might be to find a coach who is more willing to put faith and trust in the young talent that we do have? Yeah, I think it's been an issue. I think Dan Bilesma was always very hesitant to play with you know to play young players. Uh, Simone Dupre is probably the best example. Um, for a number of reasons, Dupre just annoys the coaching staff time and time again. They think he's got a bad attitude and he's lazy and this and that. But when you watch him play, you say to yourself, "Man, this guy's pretty good. Like he's six foot four and he can skate and he's got all this talent and and he's tearing it up in Wilkesbury in the playoffs right now." So, yeah, the Penguins do need to, to I think, give the young guys a chance. Bo Bennett's another guy. I mean, Bo made one mistake defensively in a playoff game earlier this spring and he got benched for the next couple of games. I mean. That's tough for a young player when you're playing under that kind of pressure. Ben Lovejoy always used to tell me, especially after he went to Anaheim, he, you know, mm-hmm. he told me in a conversation we had back in November, said he was scared to death to make one mistake because he knew if he did, he wasn't going to play for a month. Wow. And uh, that, that's, on, that's on the coaching staff. That, I mean, listen, I think it's a good staff. I think Dan Biles was a good coach. I like his assistants. I think they're good coaches, too. But no mm-hmm. coach is perfect. And Dan clearly never had much trust in younger players other than only Mata, really. And, you know, how could you not have trust in that guy? So, um, yes, the ability to work with young players and to make them better 
that to me is a real issue. And you can blame Ray Shearer all you want for not drafting well, but maybe these guys aren't being developed well enough. I think, especially among the forwards, that's perhaps a legitimate gripe. Yeah. I mean, I always have felt if I was someone going through the draft, if I was in that position, the Penguins would be the, the last team I would want to go to. Um, it's just, it just seems like they're, it's, you're, just, you're stuck in Wilkes-Barre, and it's, you know, you, no matter what you do, it seems like you, you have a hard time getting out of that situation. Oh, you're right. And, I mean, that's why I think the summer is really interesting for a lot of reasons. But, um, you know, for the young guys, you know, you, you look at, in Wilkes-Barre, you've got Simone Dupre and Brian Dumoulin, and, and to a lesser extent, Scott Harrington is still pretty young. But, and these are all considered can't-miss NHL players, and they're still all down in Wilkes-Barre. Between those three and Derek Pouliot, it will be very interesting to see which of them uh, makes the NHL roster next season. And, and eventually you've got to play these guys or you've got to trade them to bring back a, a legitimate forward. I mean, that's uh, Ray Shiro admitted when he drafted all those defensemen that he wasn't ever going to play all of them in the NHL, but a couple of them would be used as trade bait. And we saw that with Joe Morrow last year. We, we might see it again with another one. But, uh, yeah, those guys, you know, they're still young, but it's just starting to get uh, time to find out just what you have in those guys. Definitely. It's uh, Brian Crawford with Josh Yoey of the Tribune Review. Josh, do you think that finding a new coach is a criteria for the new general manager? Do you think that there really is any any sincere interest in keeping Dan Balsma from ownership, or do you think that is going to be a condition of, of the hiring? I would be stunned if Dan Balsma is the coach of this team next season. I, I will not totally discount it. Anything is possible. But I I don't intend he'll be back. I don't think ownership particularly wants him back. Mm-hmm. I don't think some of the players I don't think really want him back. Um, I think everybody agrees Dan's a good coach, but mm-hmm. sometimes things get stale, and it's time for good coaches to move on. And I think in Dan's case, that's probably what it is. I, I think ownership uh, probably does want the GM, the new GM, whoever it may be, to, to feel a sense of authority and power and have the decision to, to get rid of the coaching staff if he wants. But I, I can almost guarantee you that whoever takes over as general manager, whether it's Jason Burrell, whether it's Pierre Maguire, you name it, go down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever it may be, uh, I think, is going to replace the head coach pretty quickly. I just, I, I can't, It's kind of a toxic environment right now as it is. You yeah. bring Dan Viles back. You know, after the playoffs, the way things went down, um, I, I just can't see it working. Yeah, definitely. Now, going into the off season, the new GM is going to have some big decisions to make for as far as players on the ice as well. Uh, a lot of the contracts are very, you know, we don't have a lot of players that we can that are movable at this point. Um, what what are some of the what are some of the decisions you think that are going to be made? I know it's hard to speculate until a GM is made, uh, you know, is, is assigned. But is there anything that you see on the horizon that you could predict? Well, listen, it's early June, so it's kind of a fun time of year to speculate, so we might as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> first thing, if you look at the free agents that Penguins have, uh, a lot of the guys aren't coming back, bottom line. Yeah. Brooks Orpik, I, I believe, has played his last game as a Penguin. Uh, someone else is going to give him money, but the Penguins just can't bring back a 33-year-old defenseman with all the young guys they have coming up. Yeah. Uh, of all the free, I think you see Oakland's probably over her outpriced himself after the playoffs he had also, I don't think he'll be back. Uh, Matt Niskanen is the most interesting unrestricted free agent. Uh, if I had to bet money, I would probably say I don't think he'll be back. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's back. The guy's a really good player. Um, you know, we saw last year he was a plus 30-whatever and had 10 goals. And, I mean, he was just terrific. He, he really was their, their most steady defenseman all season, I thought. Um, someone's going to offer him more than $5 million a year. And I don't think he's worth that personally. Uh-huh. I think he wants to come back to Pittsburgh. He really likes it here. 
I think he could have an A on a sweater next year. I think they think that highly of him. He's just one of the best people you ever meet. Mm-hmm. But um, somebody's going to offer him huge money. It's not a good free agent crop at all. No. He's one of the best defensemen out there on the market. He's 27 years old. He's right-handed, which teams love. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I feel like for the Penguins to keep him, they're probably going to have to overpay him. They might. They like him. But uh, it's, it's not a perfect scenario for them no matter what. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be an interesting. For, I, I just don't. I don't see a lot of people who they – there's not a lot of people they can move, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. And it's just uh, – I think it's going to make it challenging for the new GM when he comes in uh, to try and, try and deal with that situation with the, the cap issue. Um, well, yeah, and you talk about moving people. Um, you're going to hear the name James Neal a lot. Yeah. And the reason you're going to – there's a couple of reasons. He has a very movable contract. He has a no-trade clause that does not kick in until next summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes $5 million a year, which for a player that scores like he does is pretty reasonable. Yeah. He's 26 years old, and you know he's got a reputation. He's, I can tell you he's not the easiest guy to deal with. I don't think he's Mr. Popularity in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just got an edge about him. He rubs people the wrong way. I mean, I, I was really under the impression that Ray Shiro was going to trade him this summer if he were still in charge. I, I think... Uh, Ray was not real thrilled with some of his antics, and, and that, that, that was my hunch with Ray. Now, if Jason Botterill gets the job, uh, you know, well, was he on board with Ray's thinking there? Maybe. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll certainly find out one way or the other pretty soon. But uh, <laughs> if a big name is going to be traded, I, I think he's probably the most likely. Definitely. Now, my, I guess my biggest issue with the team that, that I look at is is their forwards because I, I look at the defense and a lot of those guys you can bring up some guys from Wilkesbury and and other places in in the farm system but the offense in my opinion especially in the third or fourth lines I, I always felt that last year when they brought in Scuderi I actually and everyone thought I was said I was crazy but I said that they shouldn't have brought him in they should have used that money to bolster the third and fourth lines and I, I just still see that we have an issue there. What what do you think that we can do? I mean, you, you lose James Neal. He's one of your top scorers in your top lines, and then all of a sudden you're looking for another top-line winger. It, it just seems like that, that problem is still lingering. It sure is, and you look like a genius now because they certainly didn't need Rob Scuderi, who did not have a very good year anyway. Um, the lack of forward depth is a huge problem. There were games last year when you had Craig Adams, Joe Vitale, and Tanner Glass all on the ice. I like all of those guys in certain areas and mm-hmm. in certain aspects of the game. But that's three guys who like literally can't score. Yeah. And when that's three of your 12 forwards, look at the way the Kings and the Blackhawks play when any of their forwards can score. Mm-hmm. The Penguins already have 25% of their forwards can't score. They just can't. Yeah. And the third line, frankly, wasn't much better. Um, that's a huge issue. And, you know, Crosby and Malkin weren't good enough in the playoffs, Crosby especially. And I'm not denying that. Nobody is. But it would be nice if they had a little bit of help, if they could win a series without those two going off. Yeah. And the Penguins need that. And that's why, you know, if you can trade a James Neal and get two good young players who are both third-line style guys even, or if you can go out in free agency and get a Brian Boyle, somebody like that, um, if, if you want to trade Brian Dumoulin or Simone Defray and get a legitimate good third-line center who you'll have under your control for a few years. I think it's something the Penguins need to do because their lack of forward depth, oh my goodness, yeah, it's staggering. a huge problem. And even when you look at the guys they're still going to have, Chris mm-hmm. Kunis is going to be 35 next year. Yeah. Pascal Dupuis is going to be 35 coming off of a torn ACL. Bill Bennett has, you know, has talent, but he really hasn't solidified himself yet as a legitimate top six guy. So you've already got question marks with some of the guys you've got coming back, and, and you don't have much depth to begin with. So uh, the blue line will be fine. 
Uh, Mark Andre Fleury will be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the forward position, the Penguins are built to win because of their forwards, and their forwards just aren't good enough right now. Definitely. Well, stepping away from the Penguins for just a minute, uh, we do have the Stanley Cup Finals coming up. We've got the Kings versus Rangers. What are, what are your thoughts? How do you think that's going to go? Well, I mean, on paper, the Kings should beat them in four or five games. I mean, they're a vastly superior team. Yes. And I, I will. I mean, I am absolutely thinking the Kings to win. Uh, I don't know if it'll be quite the route everyone thinks it is. The Kings have to be out of gas. That, that series against Chicago was one of the fastest-paced, intense series I've ever seen. It was one of, to me, it was one of the great series in NHL history. Yeah. Um, they've played nothing but seven-game series mm-hmm. all through the playoffs, which is unprecedented, really. Uh, no, granted, the Rangers have played seven, seven, and six games, so they're pretty much in the same boat. Uh, the Kings have to be tired, so I don't know if they're going to route the Rangers. I don't think they will. Lundqvist might steal a couple of games. He's great. But um, – I just can't see L.A. losing this series. The West is so much better than the East. And, and when you look at the teams they've gone through to get this far, yeah. San Jose, Anaheim, and Chicago, those are three great hockey teams. And they found a way to beat them all. The Rangers, frankly, don't add up to those teams. And I, I have to think L.A. wins this series. Might be a little more competitive than people think, but uh, to me they're clearly the best team. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm looking at this series, and I just don't see any way. Uh, the only way the Rangers could win is if they take out another goalie. <laughs> but, well, they are very proficient at that, in fact. They are. <laughs> so I would, I would not put it past uh, Chris Kreider to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, Quick's a pretty tough guy. <laughs> Quick will hold up. But honestly, I would probably still pick them, even if they had their backup goalie playing. I, I just, I'll tell you what, I, I respect the heck out of that team. That, that team just a combination of talent and depth like you'll rarely see. Definitely. Well, uh, Josh, I thank you so much for all your time here, and uh, hopefully you can. Uh, hopefully th- they figure out some things quick, and you can manage to still get a vacation in there. Yeah, I want the kids to see the beach or something at some something. point this summer. So you know, things. I'd already told them, uh, kids, it might be until after the July first free agent frenzy. So hopefully they understand. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's it's that's got to be rough. <laughs> all right, Josh. <laughs> it well, happens. It happens. Thank you so much, and hopefully we can have you on again sometime. All right, absolutely, anytime. Definitely. It's Josh Yoey of the Tribune Review. I am Brian Crawford, and you are listening to 91.9 WCAL.